Welcome to the Victory Family Worship Center podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thevictory.tv at gmail.com. your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, 13, if you're online or if you're here, we have all the notes on our our church app, our Victory Family Worship Center app, you can download that app and go to Sunday Experience, click on Sermon Notes and everything's there, the scriptures that I'll be reading. And so um, we've been in this series for the last four or five weeks called Spiritual Warfare and it's been a blessing to go through this series. Um, I, I hope that you're learning as much out of this as I am. And uh, we went, the reason we're doing this and going through this series is because we want you to be armed, and we want you to have, uh, you know, we want you to be armed with the equipment that God has given you to to fight your spiritual battles, to fight your daily battles, and and, and um, we don't fight. In the physical realm, but we fight spiritual battles which are in the mind. We've, we've been teaching you for the last three or four weeks the battles in the mind, right? Amen? And we don't want you to be battle-weary. We want you to be battle-ready. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, if you want to follow along. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. <clears throat> How many of you know we live in the time of evil? There's a lot of evil things going on around us. There's deceptions, there's lies, there's, uh, sometimes we don't even know what truth is. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. <clears throat> For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Talked about that last week. The fiery arrows are the lies, the deception, those lies that come at you. Put on the salvation as your put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So the last four weeks to bring you up to speed, we've been covering the different pieces of this armor. And, and talking about this, and first of all, we started talking about uh, um, the belt. We have the belt of truth. Uh, um, then we have the body armor, which is righteousness. And then we have shoes, which is peace. Talked about last week, our shield, which is faith. And this week, we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. And if you're tuning in with me right now, especially online, I'm going to give you a brand new revelation of sal- and talk about salvation, a whole different meaning of salvation. So, so stay with me because you're going, to, you're going to get some revelation today. I'm always excited to stand behind this podium and preach, not because I have a problem-proof life. Um, no one has a problem-proof life. I'm excited to be up here today because I'm still today in this place where I have experienced and I'm still experiencing deliverance every day. I'm being delivered from things all the time. <clears throat> 25 years ago to the month, I know it's to the month because it was hunting season. And 25 years ago, I, I, was, I, I got saved. God, God radically changed my life, and it was hunting season, and that really put a damper on my hunting and it just changed my life. And if you don't know my story, you know, I'd already 18 years of alcohol and drugs and immorality and just all kinds of things in my life. Uh, um, you know, and 25 years ago, I got set free. I got saved. God radically changed my life. And um, I, I didn't know what else to pray. I was, you know, I was really rough around the edges. And I, I was in a church about this size, and I was sitting on the back row um, and, and I was, um, you know, and I, I, a man gave an altar call and, and, and I was coming forward and, and, and I, I walked down and, and, and the whole time I was praying this prayer in my spirit, I was praying this in, inside of myself. I was like, Jesus, if you're real, you better be real. If I'm going to get out of this seat and I'm going to walk down to the front, you better be real, Jesus. This better be real. This, this, this. I, I don't want to deal with fake. I, I, I don't want to deal with, I want this to be real. If you're real, you better be real in my life. 
And I kept saying that over and over and over again. And it seemed like an eternity. It took an eternity from walk from the back row about, you know, 25 feet to get up here to the front. And, 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 and I'm going to say this because Jesus didn't change my life when I got out of the chair. Jesus didn't change my life halfway down the aisle. Jesus didn't change my life until I got here to the front. It's, it's, it's kind of like getting both feet out of the boat. You know what I mean? I had to take my faith all the way. I had to go all the way with my faith. And, and it was, I was the only one in that room that was coming down, and I was the only one walking to the front. I felt all the eyes upon me, and it took a lot of me. It took a lot of me to walk down that aisle, and I was like, Jesus, if you're real, you better be real. And on that day, I experienced the salvation of God. He came into that room, and he came into that moment, and he saved my life, and I've never been the same since that day. And I think it's very important for us to remember. I don't care if it was last year, 10 years ago, or 25 years ago like myself. I think it's important to remember who you are, when, who you were when you got saved. Not where you were, it's, that's not important. It's important for you to remember who you were when you got saved. What God brought you out of. Because I was crazy when I got saved. I don't know about you guys, I was crazy. I was a crazy man. Some of y'all are crazy. Some of y'all are crazy right now. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> if you're watching this, if you're like me, I was crazy. And I was crazy when I got saved and Jesus delivered me. And I soon found out, right after that day, <clears throat> that that was just the beginning. That was the beginning. That salvation experience, that was the beginning. I found out. It wasn't a month later, two months later into this thing. I found out that I had an enemy out there. I had a, there was a very real enemy, and he began to launch spiritual attacks against me. I found out this enemy was forming weapons against me. This enemy formed weapons against my marriage and brought division and chaos into my marriage. This enemy, I'm saved, and he brought chaos into my family and attacks onto my family. And, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and it tested my faith because I'm sitting there going, God, God, you're real. You know, why am I going through this? I just got saved. Why? You know, there was attacks against my finances. And there was a very real enemy that formed weapons and it started attacking me in all of these areas. <clears throat> Wasn't so long after that, the enemy even attacked my calling. But according to Isaiah 54, 17, no weapons. Everybody say, no weapons. No weapons. No weapons. No weapons formed against me will prosper. The only weapons that are going to prosper against you is the, only, is the weapons that you allow to prosper in your life. So I, I, was, I found myself saved, and all of a sudden, all these attacks are coming at me. And, and, and so, I, I, listen, I think the enemy, how many of you would say this morning, I think the enemy has formed some weapons against me? Even right now, I mean, against your mind, maybe against your family, maybe against your finances, maybe against your body physically. The enemy wants to attack you, and he wants to form weapons. And so why does the enemy form weapons against us? It's because we have an enemy. It's because it's what he does. And the enemy wants to see as many people as he can experience everlasting damnation and fire. We call that hell. Scripture calls it damnation and fire, but... Here's what we need to know. That's why we need the helmet of salvation. And I'm going to explain to you the full scope of salvation. Because it's not God's will for anyone to experience everlasting fire and damnation. Everlasting fire and damnation was created for human beings. It's not created for any one of us. Matthew chapter 25 verse 41 proves this. Jesus is talking about the judgment and he says this. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you're cursed into everlasting fire that is prepared for who? Look at the scriptures, that is prepared for the devil and his angels. Everlasting fire and damnation wasn't prepared for human, it wasn't prepared for us. God did not create hell for us. He was, it was created for the devil and his angels. We talked about that in the previous weeks. Uh, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. The devil was kicked out of heaven, and when he was kicked out of heaven, he persuaded 
one-third of the angels in heaven to go with him into, onto the earth. One-third of the angels rebelled with the devil, and they fell to earth with him. Now the devil knows he's on earth. He's on the, he has a short time on this earth. And now he, the devil is not trying to persuade angels to rebel with him anymore. He doesn't have to do that. He's already done that. Now what the devil is trying to do is persuade humans to rebel with him to go to hell. That's what he's trying to do. He doesn't have to persuade angels. He's already done that. Now he's per- trying to persuade human beings. But we don't have to be afraid of this because when we read the scriptures in Ephesians 6, we come to this place of understanding that we are equipped as soldiers for this spiritual battle. We're all soldiers. I'm a soldier. You're a soldier. We are soldiers armed and we are dangerous against the kingdom of the enemy. We don't have to be afraid. When you come to know Jesus and you become a believer in Jesus Christ, suddenly you become equipped. And if we're equipped, if he's going to give you all this equipment, that tells me that God expects you to win. Not only you got to win, but he expects you to fight and win. So everyone say, I'm a winner. Now say, I'm a winner like you're convinced you're a winner. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. And so we're winners because we're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and we're called according to his name and we're, we're armed with spiritual weapons. And the Bible says we have weapons that are not of this world. They're not machine guns and AK-47s and AR-15s. The weapons that we have are for the, the pulling down of strongholds. The pulling down of strongholds. They're mighty through God, these weapons. Because the battle we fight is not on, an, it's not on a theater. It's not on a physical theater. It, it, the battle we fight is, is in, the, it's in our mind. And there's a lot at stake in this battle. That's why we need the helmet of salvation. Because the stakes are high. And I know some of you are already checking out on me right now online and maybe even here. Because you're thinking, well, I got saved. I have salvation. But you, don't understand, you have to understand the full scope of salvation, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The stakes are high, and we have to have this mindset that, that, that is filled with hope and expectation, this mindset that is filled that we can conquer. It, it, we, don't, we can't have this mindset that's filled with fear. 2 Timothy 1 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. Everybody say, sound mind. Do you know what a sound mind is? A sound mind is a mind that thinks clearly. There's no confusion. There's no fear. There's no worry. There's no doubt. It's a mind that thinks soberly and prudently. It's a mind that's conscious of its surroundings. A sound mind is a saved mind. What does that have to do with the helmet of salvation? Why is this important? I'm going to explain this to you. James 1.8 says a double-minded person is, an un- is unstable in all their ways. So if your mind, like we've talked about the last four weeks, if your mind is the battlefield, we have to make sure that your mind is secure and your mind understands all the aspects of salvation. We need to understand how to secure our mind with salvation. Why would God ask us to put this helmet on every day? I got saved 25 years ago. Why do I got to keep putting this helmet of salvation on? I used to not understand that. I understand that now. Because there's is a place where we, you know, that's the place we need to get because the battle's in the mind. And, And this is where we fight our battles at. That's why the helmet of salvation is necessary to secure your mind with the understanding and the knowledge of salvation. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I want you to understand what salvation is so that we can understand why we have to put on this helmet every day. So what is salvation? The word salvation comes from a Greek word called soteria. I probably didn't pronounce it right, but nonetheless... (coughs) This word means deliverance. Everybody say deliverance. So this word literally means, it means God's rescue, which delivers believers out of destruction. So salvation is deliverance. 
It's important to understand the full scope of salvation. Uh, or in, in this context, the full scope of deliverance that needs to take place in our minds. When I gave my life to Christ 25 years ago, I experienced salvation and deliverance. I experienced it. I, 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 you know, there's no question in my mind God delivered me from some things. And, and, but that was only the beginning. That was 25 years ago. That's the beginning. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 so that we can get a full picture of this scripturally. I'm going to go real slow and I'm going to talk about this and, and I'm going to, because I want you to get this. Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17 says this. <clears throat> For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel of Christ? Scriptures tell us right there. It is the power of God to salvation. Okay, which is deliverance. When I say salvation from here on out, I'm also talking about deliverance. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to deliverance for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is in what? For in it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed, watch this, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I know that's real wordy, but let me try to explain this to you. There's a lot being said here. It says, this is the power of God to deliverance from faith to faith, but it also says by faith. So it's kind of like a trip. It's kind of like a trip from Amarillo to New York on an airplane. You've, you've, you've got this place, that's, that's, and then you've got a destination, but you've got, you're going to go through a, another town. You're going to go through Dallas-Fort Worth. So it, it, it's, remember, we're talking about the full scope of salvation. So there's faith for deliverance in the past. That's the power of God to deliver you in the past. There's deliverance, there's faith for deliverance, the power of God to deliver us in the present. But there's also a faith for deliverance, there's the power of God to deliver in the future. Stay with me here because I'm going to explain this. What does that look like? When I gave my life to Jesus Christ 25 years ago, Faith for deliverance came into my life. Salvation came into my life. Deliverance came into my life. I gave my life. I was changed. Salvation happened at that point. But that was the beginning. If I, if I go to the future, there's faith for deliverance in the future too. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. This is my final destination. That's where I'll rest for all of eternity. That is eternity in heaven. But right now, I don't live in the past and I don't live in the future and I'm in the present right now. So there is salvation, there is the salvation power of God for deliverance right now in the present, right now where I'm standing, right now where all of you are. There is the salvation power of deliverance right now for you and for me. The full scope of salvation is past, present, and future. Salvation is not for just when I gave my life to Jesus Christ 25 years ago. Yes, there was salvation deliverance then, and salvation is not just for the future, for the sweet by and by. There is salvation deliverance then too, but salvation deliverance is also for right now. The scope of, of salvation deliverance is past, present, in future, but here's the cool part. It's also spirit, soul, and body. It's also spirit, soul, and body. Let me explain this. Stay with me. Let's look at the scripture right here. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and, and, and may your whole, watch this, spirit, soul, and in body, be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is in the future. This is eternity. we got to understand this. 
So let me explain this to you. You you don't need the helmet of salvation when you get into eternity. There's no battles of the mind in the in eternity. When you step over that portals into heaven, there's no more battles in the mind. You don't need it there. So when do you need the helmet of salvation? You need the helmet of salvation right now in the present. We need that right now. While you're in this room, you need the helmet of salvation. When you leave this room, tomorrow when you get up, you're going to need this salvation deliverance power to protect your mind. Salvation is deliverance in the past, present, and future. Salvation deliverance is also spirit, soul, and body. So we got to get this, so let me explain this. Let me, go, let me go back over it again. We have salvation in the past. I had salvation in the past 25 years ago. And that was salvation from my own nature. That was salvation from my own nature. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ 25 years ago, my spirit was justified. My spirit was justified. When I die, my spirit's going to heaven. My spirit's justified just as if I'd never sinned, just as if I'd never done all that crap that I did for 18 years. My spirit is justified. How many of you are glad you're justified? All those bad things you did, they're washed under the blood of Jesus Christ. How many can say hallelujah? <laughs> that, that's what happened. My spirit is justified. My spirit is born again. All that stuff is gone. All that immorality, it's, it's gone. So that's salvation past. That's deliverance from your own nature. Your spirit is justified. Now we have salvation present. Deliverance for your own soul. This is where your soul is sanctified. Now it's important to understand, what is your soul? Your soul is your mind. That's your, that's your mind and your will and your emotions. Your soul is where you think. That's where the lies come in. That's where your emotions are. Your emotions, they'll, lie, they'll, they'll even lie to you. That's where your feelings are. That's, so that's your soul. Your spirit, you got spirit. You're made of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And the helmet is to protect your soul. It's to protect your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts. That's why we got to put that thing on every day. That's why it's important for you today. When your soul is being sanctified, that's present. And then we have salvation future. And that's deliverance from your mortal bodies. That's when your body will be glorified. That's when you get into eternity. That's, you'll get a new body. 1 Corinthians 15 proves this, 53 through 58. It says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the script, this scripture, it says, will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. Then it says, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So one day you're going to get a new body. Unfortunately, you don't get to pick your new body. I know some of you are thinking right now, you want to trim off some of this and trim off that and fix that and inflate that and deflate this, and, but that's not how it's going to work. You will get a new body, though. So our spirit is changed in the past, whether that was one year ago for you or some of you it's five years ago, maybe last week, I don't know, for me it was 25 years ago. Your spirit is changed. Now the soul is being sanctified. The mind is being sanctified. Every day you put on the helmet of salvation because it, it protects your mind. It protects your will. It protects your emotions. It protects your thoughts. There's salvation deliverance for your soul right now. And in the future, your body will be glorified. 
that's the importance of the helmet of salvation. It's not just for past and future. The importance of the helmet of salvation is to secure your mind every single day when you get up right now to surround your mind with salvation in the scope of deliverance right now in the present. This is important because the mind is where the battlefield is. The mind is where the enemy attacks, right? We've talked about that for four weeks. The enemy uh, can attack your mind so you can't function well. The enemy will attack your mind. He'll attack it with lies and bring worry and fear and doubt into your mind so that you can't function. He'll attack your mind so that you can't even hold up the shield of faith. He'll attack your mind. You won't even be able to get your sword out and use it because your mind's not right. So the the helmet is so important. The enemy wants to go after your head. There was a movie that came out two or three years ago, and I fact-checked this with Trennan, so it's all true and correct. It was called The Avengers Infinity War. How many of you have seen it? Maybe seen it? Some of y'all? Okay, well, just in case, if if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it by now, you're probably not going to see it. I've never seen it. I just like the illustration. I'm not into that, but let me just tell you, if, if, if you have not seen it and you're thinking about seeing it, I'm fixing to ruin it for you in about 30 seconds, so you might want to close your ears. So what, what's happening is, is Thanos, Thanos, I had to make sure I said that. There's a, I, apparently there's two ways to say that, and I've I got to say the correct version. Thanos is going up against the Avengers. He's the bad guy, Thanos is, and he's, he's trying to get these six stones and once he gets these six stones, he plans on destroying and killing all the population of the universe. So he's going after these six stones. And by the end of the movie, he's about to get the, he gets the last stone, and he it's the last stone. And as soon as he gets it, he's going to eradicate everybody, you know, half the population of the universe. And just when he's about to about to, he got this stone, and just when he's about to eradicate the universe, Thor comes in, and Thor throws his axe. Yeah, I checked this. He throw, Thor is known for a hammer, and ha- he didn't have the hammer at this time. He only had the axe. So he threw the axe, and he hit Thanos right in the chest, right in the, in the armor. And, 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 it, and uh, he throws this axe, and he hits, hits him right in, the, right in the chest. And Thanos goes down to one knee, and Thor lands right in front of him. And, and there's this big climax, you know. And, and Thor says to Thanos, he says, I told you you're going to die for this. And, and he pushes the axe into, ch- into the chest deeper, and, and he goes down. And everybody's ready to celebrate, and, and they think it's all over. And, and Thanos lifts his head, and he says these words. He said, you should have gone for the head. You should have gone for the head. Now, I want to tell you what happens next, but you'll have to watch the movie. But the point is, is he said, you should have went for the head. And I need you to know today, I need you to hear me today, that the enemy is aiming for your head. You you may have your shield up, you may have your breastplate right, you may have all that on, but the enemy is going for your head. He's not going for your chest, he's not going for your backside, he's not going for all, all, you can put all that other armor on, you can hold up that shield of faith, but it doesn't matter because the enemy's going for your head. He's going for your head. He's going through your mind, where your thoughts are, where your emotions are, where, where your, the lies come in, where weary and fear and doubt reside. That's where the enemy's coming. He's coming after your head. And so you have to secure your mind in the scope of salvation and deliverance so that you can remain fully functional in battle because the stakes are high. The enemy is aiming at your head, and you have to secure that mind. You have to understand. And listen, when we talk about protecting the head, you have to understand who the head is. Jesus is our head. I know we think about it in terms of our head, but Jesus is also our head. Let me read this scripture, and I, I, I know, hopefully it'll, you'll see the power of this, the power of your head. Um, let me give you the first point. There's three ways to protect our head. Three ways to protect our head. Number one is you have to glorify Jesus' supremacy over all creation. That's the first way. You have to declare Jesus' supreme over all of creation. 
You have to understand that. You have to get that into your spirit that Jesus is supreme over all creation, over all other gods, over all other doctrines and theologies and thoughts and and, and principles. Jesus is supreme over all that. Jesus is supreme over the devil. Jesus is supreme over all the devil and his his little entities and his little spirits. Um, Colossians 1, 15 says this. It says this, Christ is is the visible image of the invisible God. Talking about Jesus Christ when he came to this earth. He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we see and the things we cannot see, which as, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. We talked about that, how the enemy has authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through God for God. That means God created the devil. The devil is no match for Jesus. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme over all things. All of these fake gods that are out there, all these um, self-made gods, self-made image, made in man's image, all these other little things that people worship, Jesus is supreme over every god. Can somebody say amen in this place? Jesus is the supreme authority. And the good news is, is if you've had a salvation experience, you know this Jesus. And Jesus knows you. That's the good news. He's not some deity floating out there in the, in the earth like some breath of fresh air somewhere that you're trying to grasp hold of all the time. The living resurrection power of Jesus Christ lives inside of you. And then it goes on to say in verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. That's where I get this. You have to protect your head. Jesus Christ is the head. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live with Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. Everything, all the chaos you see in this world and in this and in America, everything that's going on, Jesus still reigns supreme in authority over all of that. All the politics, all the dem, all, everything, all the demographics, Jesus still reigns supreme over everything. All the chaos, He is still in control. So, so that's why Jesus said, said "I am the way," and He was pretty kind of matter of fact about it. I am the way. He said, I am the truth, and I am the light, and nobody's coming to the Father except through me. Everything on heaven and earth goes through God the Father. It's all going to be filtered through God, through, through Jesus Christ, his Son. So we have to glorify Jesus' supremacy over all creation. And then number two, to protect your minds, <clears throat> this is important. You have to solidify Jesus' authority in your own life. You have to solidify Jesus' authority in your own life. Let me put it another way. Jesus must be the Lord of your life, not just your Savior. Say, so why do you say that, Pastor? Well, Luke, Luke, look what Luke 6.46 says. In the book of Luke, verse 46, he said, Jesus said this, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't know what I say, when you don't obey what I say, you don't do what I say is what the Bible says. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds his house without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against the house, it will collapse in a heap of ruins. See, if Jesus is not the Lord of your lives... The helmet, of de- the, the helmet of deliverance and salvation is not secure. You're going about this half cocked, and you're 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 doing your your, and so we we're doing our own will. Your soul 
is where your mind, will, and emotions are. And if, you, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, you're taking that off of your mind and you're doing your own will. You're, going by, you're doing things the way you think should be done. Jesus says, my ways are higher than your ways. That's why he said, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? In order for you to do what the Lord says, you've got to hear what the Lord says, and you've got, you've got to open up the Word of God, and you've got to hear what the Lord, Word of God is saying. I'm convinced that people don't have Jesus as Lord. It's not because they don't want to have Him as Lord. It's because we fail to open up and have the conversations necessary with the Lord because we've got too many distractions. I'm convinced of that. We have all types of things coming into our mind that allow us, that, that keep us from focusing on the right now. For instance, how many of you have ever had a time where you said, you know what, this week, starting tomorrow, Monday morning, I'm going to read the Word of God every day. How many of you have ever had these times where you just make this, I'm going to read the Word of God, I'm going to get the Word of God, I'm going to read it every day. And then Monday comes around, and by the end of the day, Monday, you're going, man, I forgot, I didn't read my Bible. You know what, I'm going to start Tuesday. Tuesday comes around, it's a busy day, man, you just had one of them days, you know, and at the end of the day, the sun's going down, and you go, well, you know what, Wednesday, Wednesday I'm going to start, I'll go to church Wednesday, you know, and I'm going to get in this thing, I'm going to start bearing down Wednesday, Wednesday comes around, next thing you know, it's Thursday evening, and you're going, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to start Friday, by the time Friday comes, you're so convicted, <laughs> Right? You're so convicted that you're like, you know what, I'll just go to church Sunday, hear what the pastor has to say, I'll start again on Monday. How many of you have ever done that? I've been there. We've some of, Listen, some of y'all probably been doing that for years. You have to solidify Jesus' authority in your life. You have to protect your head. And then lastly, number three, let me repeat these. You have to glorify Jesus' Supremacy over all of creation. Solidify Jesus' authority in your life. And then number three, you have to exemplify Jesus' power in your life. This is extremely important because we are an example. I am an example. You are an example of the power of Jesus. There's nothing that displays Jesus' power more than a changed life. Jesus said, you'll be made, you, you'll be, you can overcome anything in the word by the blood of the Lamb and the words of your testimony. Nothing exemplified Jesus' power more than a changed life and somebody who will stand up and declare that my life has been changed by Jesus. When our life is changed, it represents the power of God in your life. And if we don't understand this in the present, if we don't understand God's power is available right now, Right now, the enemy will get us discouraged and defeated. Because here's what most people do. Most people, most Christians that I come in contact with, they're thinking about the past. Well, pastor, I got saved 25 years ago, man. And, you know, we just did things in church way, we just did them way different back then, you know. We did this and we did that in that church. Things were just so much better and they're just thinking about the past. If all we're doing is thinking about the past, and then I'm, I come into contact with people, and all they're doing is thinking about the future. Oh, I just don't want to get up today. I just wish the Lord would rapture me out of here. You know, Lord, come quickly. You know, I'm just, I hear people say that all the time. And, and so if all we're thinking about is the past, and all we're thinking about is the future, Satan, your enemy, is going to defeat you right here, right now, where you at on Sunday morning and on Monday morning. He is going to come at your mind, and he is going to kick you in the teeth right here, right now. You don't stand a chance to win the battle. If your mind is still stuck 25 years ago, and your mind is still stuck on the future, you have to be in the game right here, right now. We talked about salvation, the helmet of salvation. It's not just for the past. It's not just for the future. Uh, the helmet of salvation is for the present day battle. And, and, and it's been like that since the beginning of time. If you go back to the Exodus when God announced himself, God didn't say, I was that I was. And he didn't say, I will be that I will be. 
No, he said, I am that I am. That's present time. God is present ever now and today. And he is, he is here right now with his power to deliver you into salvation so you can protect your mind and protect your, your soul and to protect your emotions. You have to understand that's where God's power is today. His power is not 25 years ago. His power is present right now. He said, I am that I am. The helmet of salvation is to protect your mind against the fiery darts of the enemy. Right here, right now. God said, I am. Not I was or I is. I am. I love this quote, and this is pretty deep here, so you're going to have to hear me on this. This is C.S. Lewis, and he had a really deep thought. And so I, I want to I talk to you about it because we need to get somewhere. And, and, and so I want to I quote this to you. It's from the Screwtape Letters, the book. He said, humans live in time, but God destines them to eternity. He, therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things, to eternity itself and to the point of time which they call the present. Now listen to the last sentence. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. It's pretty deep, but let me explain this to you. So the, the present is the point at which time touches eternity. See, eternity is outside of time. Eternity is not inside of time. So right now in the present, why we sit here right now at this point is where time is touching eternity. Because the Bible says you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So right now in the present, this is where time is touching eternity. And that's a picture of the cross. The cross is where God intersects eternity with your current reality. The cross is where God intersects eternity with your current reality. You're in a reality right now. You're in a reality. Some of you are at a crossroads. You're, you, like I said, there's no t- tomorrow is not guaranteed. Your reality is right now in the present. And you're here in this place, and the cross is in this place, and the cross is touching your reality with eternity. That's the connection. And when God intersects eternity with your current reality, his power can be made available to you right now by faith. Y'all remember that, that, that scripture in Hebrews 11.1? 1? <coughs> I never understood this really till today. <coughs> Excuse me. I need a drink of water. I never understood this till today. Or when I was preparing for this. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Why did it put that word now in there? Because it's talking about right now, right now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Eternity is not seen. Things that we hope for, those are things that now, 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 right now. God's presence is here. His power, His deliverance power is here right now. Right now, God's power to deliver is available. His helmet of deliverance is available to us right now. That's where we're living right now. Deliverance is for right now. Not tomorrow, not next week when you get your life together. Not next week when you got everything figured out. Right now, God wants to change your life. Right now, God wants to deliver you. Right now. Here's my question for you, and I'm going to wind this down, but it's going to get very, very deep. I'm going to throw this at you right here. You ready? They say a moment is about one minute and 30 seconds. That's a moment. If deliverance is now, salvation is now, let me ask you a question. Are you here right now? Are you here right now? 
are you here right now? And I, and I know, I know you're, you're going, well, I'm here. My body's here. No, no, I know your body's here, but is your soul engaged right now? Or are you thinking about, well, I got a tomorrow, I got a big day at work, and, you know, what are we going to eat for lunch, and what are we going to, I got, we got to go grocery shopping after church, and we got to get some groceries, I got, you know, Monday's going to be a big day, and Tuesday's going to be, L- listen, are you here right now? God's deliverance power to deliver you from things, to deliver you from strongholds, to deliver your mind is here right now, but are you here right now? Is your soul here right now? Are you engaged with your mind right now? In this moment, because if you're here right now, you can be touched by God's power right now. Right now. Because what the enemy wants to do, and what he's trying to do even right now, is, dis, is, is to bring these schemes. We talked about the schemes and the strategies and the wiles of the devil. And right now, right now, the enemy is bringing schemes into this place to distract you from the eternal right now. The schemes are to entangle you, to distract you, and to deceive you right now. The enemy wants to, at- uh, wants to entangle you into worldly affairs right now. That's what the enemy's trying to do to some of you. Entangle you into, you know, well, what have I got to do? I got to do this when I get home. Tomorrow I got to be at work early and it's going to be a late day. And uh, Tuesday I got to do this and Wednesday I got to do this. And man, it's just going to be a busy week. And so he, the devil, those schemes are trying to entangle you into worldly affairs right now. The entanglements of life. He wants to entangle you in worldly affairs. Satan also wants to ish- distract you with good causes. I see so many Christians like this every week. One of the schemes of the enemy is to to get you to build your life on good causes. They're great things too. If God, if good causes or people or organizations, if that trumps and and you put all those things above God's greatness, then it's a distraction. That's the scheme, that's the plan of the devil. There's so many well-meaning people, so many people do good things, and they, do, and they get so wrapped up in those good things that they, it steals their affection away from God. Satan will deceive you through divided devotions. He'll divide our devotions. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, or you will hate one and love the other, and you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And, and a lot of people say, well, pastor, I pay my tithes, so that must not be applied to me. But that, the, the money thing was just an illustration. That's just the primary illustration. Uh, that's just the primary example. Jesus saying you can't serve two masters. Money could be one of them. Culture, materialistic things, marriages, careers, all those things, those can, you can serve those masters. They can, you can serve, they can become masters and rob you and divide your devotion. At some point in time, you're going to love one and despise the other. I see it happen to Christians all the time because we don't understand. We're not here to please culture. We're not here for materialistic things. We're here to please God. We're here to do battle. We're here to be soldiers. We're here to win. You may be trying to serve God and money, God and culture, God and even country. You can't love your country even more than you love God. I'm an American. I'm a patriotic. My family served in military and wars, and I love America more than just as much as anybody else does. But I can't love America more than I love God. You may be from Mexico. You can't love Mexico more than you love God. Anything you love more than God becomes an idol, and it's a false god. And that's the scheme of the enemy. And I say all this to sober your mind, to give you the big picture. Because I need to know if you're here right now. Because God wants to deliver some people from some things in this place right now. And here's some areas that, we, that I'm going to call out to help us secure our mind. 
Because when I say deliverance, people automatically check out and they say, well, I don't got any demons in me. I don't need to be delivered from any demon. I'm not demon possessed. We equate deliverance to that. But deliverance is salvation. Think of deliverance as protection this morning. Think of deliverance from tearing down strongholds in your life. Here's the thing. When I speak of deliverance, I'm talking about God delivering you from the snares of the enemy, from the entanglements of the enemy, from the distractions of the enemy, setting you free so that your mind can be secure. That's what, when I say deliverance, that's what I'm talking about. How many of you want to have a secure mind and have a sound mind and, and think clearly and th- be conscious of your surroundings? You, and, you know, you go to sleep at night and you don't toss and turn and, and you don't wonder if you're, you know, if you're going to do this or do that. You, you, people toss and turn and they fret over things and they worry over things. How many of you want to just lay your head down and go to sleep and get a, get a good night's rest and rest spiritually and rest physically and rest mentally? And, and you can do that if you have a secure mind. You're not worried about retirement and the future and everything. I'm not against retirement. Prepare for retirement. But you can't focus all your energy on the future when God is saying, I need you to, I need you to get your mind engaged right now. I need you to be in the game right now. You have to protect your mind right now. Deliverance is right now. It's in the eternal right now. So I'm going to call out some particular areas that the Lord just told me to write down. Because I've dealt with this stuff, and I'm going to call these out. I, don't, I want you to be here right now. I want, you to, I want your soul to be right here right now. I just want you to think about yourself. Because that's the scheme of the enemy, is to get you to push everything until tomorrow. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. He wants you to push salvation to tomorrow. He wants you to push Bible reading to tomorrow. He wants you to push deliverance to tomorrow. He wants you to push getting involved in He wants you to push everything to tomorrow. That's the scheme of the enemy is to push you into the future and forego deliverance right now in the present. So let me call out a couple of things and then we're going to, we're, we're going to, uh, matter of fact, if the music team wants to make your way up here, please don't focus on them. I, want you to, I need you to be here right now and listen to these four areas of sin that I'm going to talk about. A lot of times the enemy is not going to use blatant sin. He's going to use these, these different things that I'm going to talk about to entrap us. One of the bla- blatant sin is deliverance from addictions. When I talk about addictions, this could be pornography, it could be food. It could be caffeine, it could be pills, it could be illegal drugs, it could be legal drugs. I know people that are addicted to legal drugs. It could be deliverance from internet, video games, deliverance from sex outside of the marriage, which is a sin. Here's the big one that I want to talk about. I feel like God wants to deliver some people from inner vows. So many people that I know, so many Christians, well-meaning Christians, they're, they're, they're strongholds in their minds because they've made inner vows. I'm going to explain this. I'm going to give you some examples. Because the battlefield's in the mind. And when we make these inner vows in our minds, they become strongholds. And I know people that, I've been here, man. For example, in Intervow, some people have said things like this. I will never be alone. I don't want to be all alone. I'm afraid of being alone. I don't want to be alone. Therefore, they jump from relationship to relationship to relationship, and they spend all this un healthy energy and time uh, uh, with people that serve no purpose, that's not pointing to the heaven because they just can't stand to be alone. I get this a lot. I, I'll never trust men again. I'll never trust men again. 
So we make that inner vow and we don't trust men again. And so therefore their affections are toward the opposite sex or toward unhealthy things because they because somebody, yes, somebody tr- you trusted hurt you, somebody harmed you, I get it. But we make these inner vows and it becomes a stronghold. I'll just take care of myself. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody else. I'll pull myself up with my own bootstraps. Uh, So we don't allow people. We've been hurt. We've been wronged. And so we don't allow people to get in. We don't allow people to get in our lap because we feel like it's all up to me. I'll just do this. If I'm going to make this work, it's going to be up to me. These are inner vows we make with ourselves. I will always rescue my children. Listen, some people, I know people that's made inner vows that, that it's our responsibility to be the God of our children. Now our children's 46 years old and we're still trying to be the God. We're still trying to rescue them. We're still trying to uh, be there for them. And, and God wants us to set, get set, set free from that because God needs to be the God of their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? We, they need the opportunity to turn to God. Some people say, make these inner vows and says, I'm never going to open my heart again. I'm never going to trust again. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. You've been disappointed. You've been abandoned, whatever it is. Uh, But listen, when you say that, when you make those inner vows, God is saying, you're also keeping me out. Here's another one that I put in here just, just as the last one. I'll never trust another church. Some people come into this church and I'll never get a fair shake because they've already made this inner vow. I'll never trust another church because, uh, because, you know, they think the pastor has an agenda. They think pastor has hidden motives. And and, and listen, you've been hurt in the past. You've been done wrong by a church, whatever. I don't care, but we've made these inner vows. We need deliverance from these things. We need deliverance from these strongholds. We need to learn how to trust again. Deliverance from addictions, deliverance from inner vows, deliverance from divided devotions. My question is, where have you pledged your loyalty? Maybe it's your career. Maybe you love your career more than and you serve your career more than you do God. Yes, God wants you to prosper in your careers, and but that's only a vehicle. That's only a vehicle. You're called to bring light into darkness, not just build up riches for yourself. We can be divided with politics. We can get so divided with politics and people will say and spew things, not realizing that there's people on the other side of issues that have different perspectives. There's distractions from social media. That's a big one. Social media, yes, you can use social media as an avenue to promote the kingdom of God, but if all you're doing is killing idle time and it's robbing you of your affections for God, then social media is a distraction. I mean, that's a big one for me. I, I mean, I'm trying to check out on social media. I'm trying to do my best. To, you know, I try to stay in contact with family, but if it's robbing me of my affection from God, it's got to go. I'm serving a master. I'm serving, trying to serve two masters. And listen, I called out these areas believing that the Holy Spirit has worked right now dealing with your heart. I'm trying to bring a fresh perspective this morning. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to bring conviction on you. I'm trying to give you some understanding of this, how important the helmet of salvation is. When you talk about the helmet of salvation, we're talking about in the scope of deliverance because God can deliver you from these strongholds. If there's any of these strongholds in your life, there's going to be freedom right now. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. There's freedom right now. God wants to make his power known. God wants to give you clarity, sound mind, clarity in your mind right now in the present. And and we're going to worship him and we're going to allow you to be in God's presence right now. And we're going to allow you for your present reality to come in contact with God's reality right now. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to allow you to just come into this moment right now. And this is all on you. 
we're going to enter into a time of worship. And I believe strongly that if you'll acknowledge God in this time, God's going to give you a strategy and he's going to give you freedom. But you're going to have to acknowledge, you're going to have to be here right now in your mind. Does that make sense? A lot of people are here every Sunday morning in their bodies, but they're not here in their minds. When I gave my life to Christ 25 years ago, you know, God gave me an exit strategy. He gave me an exit strategy in in an environment just like this. You know, and I, I told I marched down here and I said, if you're real, you better be real. And then he was real. And then I said, you know what? If I'm free, I need to live like I'm free. So I had to make up, made, make up. He gave me an exit strategy to get out of a lot of things. You know, I had to cut some old friends out. Good friends of mine. I had to say, you know what? I can't live like that no more. I can't do those things anymore. I literally did. I had to cut some strings. I had to cut some things loose. Because what's at stake is eternity. And the enemy is coming after your head. He's coming after your mind. And he's going to get you to do anything he can to rebel like the angels did. To bring you down into the everlasting damnation of fire with him. That's his goal. So I want you to stand to your feet right now. We're going to worship.